Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Oh, come on. First time we're meeting after the last lockdown. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. They haven't restricted us from saying good morning, have they? <laughs> um, well, as we gather uh, this morning for the first time, as I said, um, since the last lockdown, I cannot think of a more timely message than what God has for us in these few verses here at the end of Colossians chapter 1. It's a message on church ministry. A message on church ministry. If you remember, and for those of you who um, maybe are new and you haven't uh, been with us, in our series last Sunday, Pastor Ronald spoke on um, verses 21 to 23, and, and in t- verse 23, Paul describes, this is chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul describes himself with a word. Look at verse 23, and that's where we begin today. He calls himself what? Verse 23, a minister. Do you see that? He says, of which, the gospel of which I, Paul, became a minister. Minister. So this word, minister, it's not a word that you and I use um, commonly today, but when we do use that word minister, usually we are referring to pastors, right? If, if, you, if you use the word minister, you're thinking of your pastor. That's my minister. But this word minister in the Greek, um, I'm going to take a stab at it. It's uh, diakonos, diakonos. It's from which we get the English word deacon. But that word minister, what it actually means is servant. Some of your Bible translations may even have the word servant there. A servant who executes the commands of his or her master. That's what that word minister means. So so when Paul is calling himself a minister, what is he really saying? He's really calling himself a servant commanded by his master, by God, to do the work of ministry. Maybe you've noticed here at SCF, we don't, um, what, what do we call our, our ministry leaders? Collectively, we call them the servant team, the servant team. Now, what does that have to do with you and me, right? What, is, what does that have to do with us this morning? Well, if this is what the word minister really means, if the word minister really means being a servant, well, then not just Paul and, and not just our pastor, but each and every one of us are ministers of the gospel. We're servants of God. If, if you're a Christian and you're listening to me even from home on the live stream, you are a servant and God is your master and he has commanded you to do the work of ministry. I want to show you a verse in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul is very clear. The shepherds are called to equip the saints, who is you and me, right, us, for the work of ministry, 
to minister. That's us for the building up of the body of Christ, the church, every one of us. So now we need to be honest for a second, okay? Here we are in June 2021, right? And the thought of doing ministry right now, be honest with me, that thought, just that thought exhausts you, doesn't it? Just be, be, be real. It exhausts you. Why? Because after a year of Zoom meetings and live streaming and being locked down in our homes, the idea of having to get out of bed and brush your teeth and get dressed and hop in the car and come to church to attend it in person and to do the work of ministry, that just sounds so um, inconvenient. I just want to be real with you. You all look very, very holy today, and you're all, oh, I would never do that. No, no, but I'm just being real. Maybe you won't. I, I felt that way, that laziness, that, that lethargy. It feels like it would be so much easier to just stay on the sidelines and leave the ministry work to the, you know, to the pastor, to the trained professionals. Well, it is with this in mind that we turn to our text this morning. As I said, we're in Colossians chapter 1. And we're, in ver- we're starting in verse 24, where Paul is going to describe for you and me his own ministry. Okay, if you want an example of what it looks like to be a minister, here it is. Paul is going to give us his example, and I believe this example is going to awaken us from sluggishness. That's what it did. As I studied this, I, I, I tell you, it awakened me from slug. It inspired me. And I hope and I pray that it encourages you to remember what ministry really looks like. What does ministry really look like? So, with that introduction, I'm just going to pray briefly before we dive in, just to ask the Spirit to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you for your word, as always. It is life to us. And um, I just pray as we, as we dig into this, this um, passage We're going to learn about what Paul did in his ministry, what it looked like for him to be a minister or a servant of the gospel. And Father, um, it is going to intimidate us. Um, It may overwhelm us as well, even the thought of this, but but we pray that as we go, as we dig into this deeper and deeper, that we will take comfort and encouragement knowing that you give us the strength to do ministry. You give us strength the strength. So help us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so you're in your, in your Bibles, right? Everyone has your Bible open, and you're on, on um, uh, Colossians chapter 1, and we're looking at verse 24. It'll come up on the screen. And so my, the first thing I want to say to you this morning, oh, by the way, sorry, I should say this first. I've been asked to have slides because I've been told slides are helpful, right? They summarize the information, and you don't have to write everything down uh, vigorously. So I do have a summary slide, okay, at the very end. I've got to start start slow. I can't do, you know, there's one slide at the end. It's got everything is summarized. Um, Because there are six points, okay? Six things that you and I need to know about ministry, especially this Sunday as we begin to regather. Six things we need to know. And the first thing you need to know about ministry is that ministry is a joy. Ministry is a joy. Look at the verse. Paul says, verse 24, how does he start? He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. 
He says, now I rejoice. This is the spirit of a minister. If you want to be a servant for God, this is the spirit, a spirit of joy, of gladness, of, of cheerfulness. Ministry wasn't a chore for Paul. Sometimes it becomes that way for me, for you. But ministry wasn't like that. It was a joy. It wasn't a dreary kind of reluctant, okay, unenthusiastic kind of thing. Oh, I got to do this. No, ministry filled Paul with joy. And I'm not talking about happiness, okay? Because happiness um, changes, right? Every day, like depending on the circumstances of your life, some days you're happy, some days you're not so happy. But this, this is joy. This is deep. This remained even in the face of, what does he say? In, in his sufferings, even in the face of sufferings, he had joy. If you remember in the early church, we're studying the book of Acts in our Bible study. Do you remember the early church? After they were persecuted, what do they, what do they say? They went out rejoicing, saying um, that, rejoicing that they were counted worthy, in Acts 5 verse 41, counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer. For Jesus. That's the kind of joy that they had. And, and church, isn't this Jesus' example to us? Think of the most horrendous thing that happened to anyone in all of human history, the cross. In Hebrews 12, 2-3, the writer tells us, Jesus endured such hostility against himself at the cross where he was crucified, and why did he do it? Look at this. For the joy that was set before him. He did it for joy. Because ministry is not meant to make you grow weary. It's not meant to cause you to lose heart. It is meant to be a joy for you. Now, I want to tell you why Paul rejoiced. Okay, look at verse 24 again. Look at the reason why he rejoiced. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings. Why? For your sake. He's talking to the church, right? In Colossae or, or the church in general. It was for the sake of the church that Paul had joy. It was for the sake of the people who were to be saved. This is what filled him with joy, his care and his concern for people. And if I can say anything to you as a Christian, if you want to get involved in ministry, you must begin with a heart for people with a heart for people. I love what our brother Daryl shared this morning in the pre-service prayer about what it looks like to love God. And one of the verses he shared was about loving people. Loving people. Because do you know the quickest way to lose your joy in ministry? Maybe you're sitting here and you say, I've lost the joy in ministry. You know the quickest way to lose joy in ministry is to stop doing ministry for others or for people and to make it all about you. That is the quickest way for you and I to lose joy in ministry. You start to think, why don't people appreciate me more? Right? Like, look at, look at what I'm doing for them. Why don't, they, why don't they treat me better? Me, me, right? Because church, the moment you lose your focus on others and start focusing on yourself, this is what happens. Bitterness sets in. Pride sets in. Entitlement, a sense of entitlement sets in. And soon, what will you do? You give up. You give up. Why? Because there's no joy in it. There's no joy. 
And I'm sure there will be some of you here in this room or even watching from home for whom um, you've lost that, that joy in serving God, that joy in ministry. And maybe it was the pandemic. The pandemic has beaten us down. But if there's anything I can say to you to encourage you is to remember what Paul is saying, that ministry is for the sake of other people. Ministry is for the sake of others. And if you have this humility, this, this mindset, it will lead to joy in the ministry, joy in serving God. So that's the first thing. The second thing we need to know about ministry is this. Ministry brings, you see, you see it coming, right? Ministry brings suffering, right? You saw it coming in verse 24, right? Now I rejoice in my, what does he say? Sufferings. He rejoices in his sufferings. If you remember when Pastor Ronald introduced us to the book of Colossians, he told us that Paul was writing this letter from where? Anyone know? From prison, yeah, in Rome. So, so there's no sugarcoating this. He's on death row, right, about to die in a Roman prison, and he's writing this letter about his sufferings. He can't sugarcoat the reality that if you want to do ministry, it will bring suffering into your life. And no one knows that better than Paul. Uh, if you want to do something interesting when you go home today, or if you're already at home after the service, um, turn to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, and read this list, okay? This is a list that Paul gives us of his sufferings in ministry, okay? And when you read this, you're going to look at your sufferings and be like, wow, what was I complaining about, okay? I just, just want to give you an idea. This is what Paul went through. He was imprisoned. He was beaten near death countless times. Five times he was whipped with 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a day and a night adrift in the sea. Just, 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 just floating in the sea. Facing danger from robbers, from strangers, from false brothers, like people he served with who, who betrayed from people in his, own, in his own city. He faced danger in the city and he faced danger in the wilderness. No matter where he went, he faced danger. He had many sleepless nights. Often he went without food or water. He was exposed in the cold and he was pressured with anxiety. Suffering upon suffering upon. Church, what, what's my point? If you, are gonna, if you wanna sign up for ministry, uh, you are signing up for suffering. And, and we don't sugarcoat that. We, we can't sugarcoat that. And so, as you hear me say that, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, why in the world would I do that? Right? Like, why would anyone sign up to be a minister or to, or to serve God if this is what it brings, if it brings so much suffering? Well, Paul gives us the answer in, in verse 24. Let's go back to verse 24 of the second part of verse 24. And this answer has been misunderstood by many people, so I need you to be, follow it very carefully, what Paul is saying, okay? He says, and in my flesh, that's in my body, Paul is saying, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. Okay, do you see that? So he's saying, in his body, he's filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So this is where people get tripped up, right? This is where people stumble because it seems to be saying, 
Is, is, like, is Paul saying that Christ's sufferings, Christ's afflictions at the cross when he died for your sins, is he saying that that wasn't enough? That's what some people might read this and think that, right? Like Christ, Christ's death wasn't enough for us. Like that, that's why it's lacking, right? So, so therefore, you and I need to suffer a little bit in order to make up the, make up the difference. Some people have read it that way. But the answer to that, to that um, idea is no, right? It's a resounding no. And why do I say that? Because what is the reason Paul wrote the whole letter to the Colossians? What's his main point? That Christ is enough. That Christ is sufficient. He's all we need. There's nothing you and I bring to the equation. Salvation is by Christ and Christ alone. Alone. So we know that. So what does Paul mean then, right? What does he mean when he says that Christ's afflictions are lacking? Well, um, he's saying that there is a divinely appointed amount of suffering which you and I, as the church, must endure. That God has planned for you and I to suffer. He's planned for it. Like, it's by His providence that God is allowing us to suffer. Remember, we are members of the body of Christ, right? The body, and Christ is the head. So to better conform us to the head, God has ordained for us to face suffering. You know, this, as I say this, the world is going to look at us and be like, that's crazy talk, right? Like, that's nonsense. You know why? Because you know how the world sees suffering? They think that suffering has no purpose, right? That suffering should be avoided at all costs. That's why you have things like even medical-assisted death. Because what's the point of suffering? And, and at the risk of sounding insensitive, and I don't want to do that, please don't get me wrong, but, but for you as a Christian, I want you to know that God has allowed and even ordained suffering for us. He, he has planned for it. The suffering that you and I face in ministry is not an accident. God has called us to suffer with Christ and for the sake of the church. Um, John MacArthur, he explains it in a very helpful way. I just want you to hear this. He says that Christ's enemies, remember when Christ was, was, was being persecuted, Christ was beaten and mocked and spat at and um, and they, and, and they put, a, put a crown on him and, and, and then the robe and they hung him on the cross and nailed him there. He says Christ's enemies had not gotten their fill of inflicting um, injury on Christ. They weren't done. So when Jesus ascended, what did they do? They turned their hatred on his body. Who is, who's who? It's, it's us, the church. And church, is this not what Jesus told us would happen? He told us, John 15, 20, he said, if they persecuted me, what will happen to you? They will persecute you. Expect it. And probably the most helpful verse I found in explaining this, do you remember when Paul, again from our Acts Bible study, you've got to come to Acts Bible study. If you're not coming to Acts Bible study, please come. But in Acts, the Acts Bible study, when we were in Acts chapter 9, if you remember, on the road to Damascus, when Paul, Saul was persecuting the church, what did Jesus say to him? He said, why do you persecute? Remember? No one remembers. Me! Notice, he didn't say, why are you persecuting 
my church, because that's what Saul was doing. Instead, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, when you afflict the church, you are really afflicting who? Christ. And so, in, in that way, Christ's afflictions didn't end when he died, rose again, and ascended. His afflictions continue because we as a church still have more to suffer for Christ. We do. If, if you're still not convinced, 1 Thessalonians 3.3, Paul says, let no one be moved by afflictions. Here it is. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. We're destined for this. And I don't say that to, to bring you down. I know everyone's looking at me like, oh, man, i got to suffer. No, I'm saying it because this is God's good plan for us. It is God's good plan for you and me that we suffer in ministry. It's a good thing. It doesn't sound like a good thing, but it is a good thing because God has ordained it for us. So that's point number two, the third thing. The third thing that you and I need to know about ministry, even though there is suffering, the third thing you need to know is this, ministry is entrusted to each of us by God. Even though God knows we will suffer, He still entrusts ministries to us, to each one of us, okay? Let's look at what Paul says in verse 25, back to verse 25 of Colossians. He says, I became a minister, a servant, according to what? The stewardship of God, okay? The stewardship that was given to me for you to make God's word known more fully. So church, what, what Paul is saying is that ministry is not something you and I come up with, Right? It's not something that we invent. It is something that is given to us by God. Like He is the source of ministries. He is the source. And, 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 and it wasn't given to you so that you can do whatever you please with your ministry. Paul calls the ministry a stewardship from God. Now, that word steward, we may not use that that much, uh, very much today, but I want you to picture, get this picture in your mind. What was a steward in first century Rome? A steward was a servant who was commissioned by the master of the house to watch over his property. Okay, the master is going away for a time, and he's going to pick one of his servants, choose one of his servants, and entrust the responsibility to watch over the whole household. Okay, which means to like supervise um, the other servants, to, to, to dispense all the resources properly, to make sure all the bills are paid, to take care of the finances and the business affairs of the home. It was a lot of trust for the master. You, you don't just choose anyone to do this, right? He chose this servant and gave a lot of responsibility to that person because when the master returned home, what does the servant have to do? He has to give, he or she has to give an account to the, to the master how I managed what you entrusted to me, right? How did you manage what I gave you to do? So that's what Paul's saying. The church is God's household. The next time you, you speak ill of the church, remember you're speaking about God's household. And each of us has been entrusted with work to do. We are stewards. Each one of you, you have been chosen by God to be a steward. Does that, not, does that not blow your mind? 
Like whatever other ambitions you're pursuing in your life right now, you're pursuing a million other things, right? But does, do any of those things compare to this responsibility that God has given you to be a steward, from a stewardship from God? And, and I'm not saying preaching, okay? You might read this passage and think, okay, Paul's talking about preaching, right, from the pulpit. But, but each one of us has a ministry work to do. Each one of us, not just the people who are up on the stage. Peter says this in 1 Peter. Just look at this verse. This is so important for you to understand. After, oh, uh, no, no, 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, oh, maybe it's 2 Peter. Sorry, um, sorry, Andy. Try 2 Peter. I think I might have written it down for you wrong. 2 Peter chapter 5, can you... I'll read it to you. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Um, we'll get you the right verse. But it says, as each has received a gift, use it. That's what Paul says, or Peter says, sorry. He says, you have received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. There's that word, stewards of God's varied grace. Could you, um, do you mind finding the, just so I can tell um, oh, there it is. Oh, thank you. 1 Peter 4.10. Thanks, Andy. Sorry. 4.5. I mix up my... That's a classic. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> as each has received a gift, each one of you, use it to serve one another as good stewards. There's that word. Good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, for those of you who are very observant, the fact that Peter says, calls you to be a good steward, means there's a possibility for you to be a what? A bad steward. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't say be a good steward. There's a possibility that you might be a bad or a poor steward. And Jesus showed us this. He illustrated this in the parable in Matthew 25. I'll just tell it to you briefly, just so you remember. He tells us of three servants. I don't know if you with the talents. Um, the master entrusted different talents to these three servants, right? According to their abilities. One got one, one got two, one got five. They all got different amounts of the master's property to manage. And the two good and faithful servants with the two and the five talents, they used what God gave them, what the master gave them. They used what God gave them fruitfully. They used it. They used the gifts they were given faithfully. While the, while the, while the, last, the third servant, who had only one talent, was unfaithful was lazy. That's the word that Jesus uses, lazy, with the talent and buried it in the ground so that when the master returned, that wicked servant, that poor steward, had what was taken, what he, what he had was taken from him and he was cast into eternal um, judgment. Now, why am I sharing that? Because what Jesus is saying is that church, how you and I steward the gifts that God has given us by His grace, how you serve one another in ministry matters. It matters. Because you're going to give an account one day. When the master comes back, you're going to give an account. And some of you may be here today and you're thinking, well, I only have this one talent. Like, I'm not that big a deal. Like, I, I, I can't do very many things. I only have a small gift. And look at, look at him, and he has so many more skills. And look at her. She has such greater ability. That's what, you may be thinking that. Like, how significant will my gift be towards the ministry of the gospel? But, but I want to tell you something. 
God is not calling you or asking you to compare between you and, and someone else. Yeah, they may have two and you may have one and, and, and they may have five and you may have only one still, but he's not concerned with that, right? He's the one who give, gave them those gifts. He knows. What he is concerned with is what have you done with what I entrusted to you? What have you done with the gifts entrusted to you? Have you been good and faithful, a steward of your ministry, your service to God? So that's the third, third point. Fourth point. The fourth thing that we need to know about ministry is that God is the one who works through our ministries. God is the one who works. I want you to look at this. Go back to the passage, verse 26 and 27. See what Paul says. He says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. And here's the key part, verse 27. He says, to them. To who? To the saints. Yeah, to the saints. To them, God chose to make known. God chose to make known, make Christ known. So it is God who decisively works through your ministry. God. It's not Paul, and it's not the pastor, and it's not you and me. It's God. God works, which means that the results of your ministry, your work, is not ultimately in your hands, right? It's not up to you. It's not, the success of your ministry is not up to you because as Paul says in verse 27, it's God who reveals Christ to his saints. God does that. You know, that word in verse 27, it means, the word chose, it means willed or delighted or pleased. So, so what Paul is saying is, to them, God willed or delighted or pleased to make known Christ. It is God who is pleased to make Jesus known to the people you serve. God does that. And here's the problem. We don't always realize this. You and I can never reveal the glories of Christ to any person. Sometimes we go into ministry thinking, you know what? I'm going to change people right? I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to do my part, and people are going to be changed. That's what we think. Sometimes the attitude we come into ministry with. But I don't know if you've noticed, but that doesn't happen because people have hard hearts. And don't look at me like, oh, who are they? What are they? Like? You were like that. We were like that. Sin hardens your heart, right? Rebellion hardens your heart. So when you go into ministry, if you think you're the one who changes people, you don't get how this works. It doesn't work that way. It is God who works in our ministries. It is God who does what he pleases. And then Paul tells us that there's a mystery God is revealing in ministry. When you serve God in, in ministry, um, he reveals a mystery to your listeners. And what is the mystery? Look at verse 27. It says at the end there, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? You see that? Christ in you, the hope. So I need to give you some context. Um, if you're reading the Old Testament, some of you, maybe in your devotion time, you're reading through the Old Testament. What you will notice is that 
um, Jesus' coming is prophesied many, many times, right? It's prophesied again and again, and there are many types and many foreshadows of Jesus in the Old Testament, but he is never fully revealed, right? In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is never fully revealed, the first part of our Bible. But that changes in the New Testament. This hidden plan that was unfolding step by step, when we get to the New Testament, all of a sudden, what do we read? The mystery is revealed. That whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, the whole world can now have relationship with God through Christ dying for our sins and residing inside each one of us. No one saw this coming. I hope you understand. No one realized that what God was going to do is He's going to send Jesus, do all the things that Jesus did during His life, die, rise again, and then He was going to come and live inside of us. Just think about that. If you're a Christian, just realize God has condescended from where He is to come and dwell inside you. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that change the way you see your own body and the the words that come out of your mouth and the way that you live? Christ is in you. And because Christ is in you, what happens? You have this hope, this expectation, this, this confidence that you are going to be with him for eternity. That's the hope of glory. And church, I just, I just as I was preparing this, I, I promise, I, I stopped and I just, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's beautiful. And I don't want to see that on your Instagram. Because sometimes we take these verses and we make it into like some sort of an artistic thing. No, this is real. And this is precious. And is this not what you want all your friends and family to know? When you think about your loved ones who don't know Jesus and your coworkers and your friends and your neighbors, is this not what you long for them to have, that Christ be in them, the hope of glory? That's what ministry is about. That is what serving God is about. Which brings us to our, our second to last point, our fifth point here. The fifth thing you need to know about ministry, and you probably already know this, but it, goes, it should be said, That ministry is not easy. (laughs) Ministry is not easy. Look at verse 28 and 29, please. Paul says, Him we proclaim. Who's he talking about? Christ. Yeah, Christ. Christ we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And look at verse 29. What does he say? For this... For what he said in verse 28, for this I toil. You see the word? I toil. For this I struggle. That's the word he's using. It's a struggle. Because ministry is not easy. It's toil. It's struggling. It's it's hard work. After you're done ministry, you will grow weary. And if you don't feel tired after you've served God, you're probably not doing it right, to be honest. And I'm not just saying that. If you look at this word that Paul uses for the word struggling, look at verse 29, the word struggling, it's in the Greek, it pictures an athlete after a race, after a marathon, after a competition where they are just exhausted, right? They're drained of all their energy. 
Because he's trying to tell us that ministry is not easy. It's a struggle. It's, it's, it's agonizing. And you will be exhausted because you're facing adversities. You're facing adversaries. You're facing difficulties. You're facing dangers every day. Ministry is not easy. And, and I, want to, I want to remind you, because you may be thinking, well, why is it so, I find ministry easy. Why was it so hard for Paul? Like, what was he struggling with here? Why was it so draining? And I want, to, I, want you, I want to remind you what he was doing. This is what he was doing. Verse 28. Go back to verse 28, Andy, Andy if you don't mind. This is what he was doing. He's proclaiming Christ, which, which doesn't just mean preaching. It just means speaking about Christ. He was speaking. That's what every church ministry does right? Whether you're in the Sunday school or the men's and women's or our youth group or Bible study or young adults, every ministry, isn't this what we're doing? In some form or another, we're just speaking about God. And even if you're praying with someone one-to-one, this is what we're doing. This is what ministry is. But there are two ways Paul um, proclaimed Christ in this verse, 28. Look at these two ways, okay? This is why ministry is hard. Number one, he warns people. His ministry involved warning people. Um, Because ministry is not just telling people what they want to hear so that they come back next week. Sometimes we think ministry, right? We want to say things that people enjoy so they come back next week when I entertain them and then they come. That's not how Paul saw ministry. His ministry involved warning people. And can I ask you something? Does anyone here want to be warned? Did you wake up this morning and think, I want to come to church so someone can warn me? Someone can call me out on my sin. No, we don't do that. That's hard. It's hard to warn people, to tell them um, uh, there are consequences to your sin, that you need to repent. It's not easy. That's the first thing. The second way that Paul proclaimed Christ, look at verse 28. The second way was teaching people. He taught people. Do you remember the Great Commission? What was the Great Commission? Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Right? Baptize, and then what? And teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And if any of you have ever tried to teach the Bible to someone, even if you're just reading the Bible with someone, they're asking you questions, you know it's not easy. You have to prepare. You have to pray. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes courage, sacrifice, humility. It's not easy. And yet there is still one more reason why ministry is not easy, and it's at the end of verse 28, and I really hope that you caught this. Paul tells us the goal of his ministry, okay? The goal of his ministry is what? He says that we may present everyone mature in Christ, okay? So I want to tell you that his goal was not simply to pump out converts and then move on to the next city, Because sometimes we measure our ministries that way. Okay? Can I give you an example? Well, how effective was the youth ministry this year? Well, how many people accepted Christ? That's how we measure it. Or or how effective, how, how, how fruitful is your church? Well, how many people got baptized last year? Right? And that's sometimes how we, we go to these numbers to think that's what the goal of ministry was. But, but for Paul, that wasn't the goal. Ministry was not about that. He was not just content for people to believe and then pray a prayer and then say, okay, mission accomplished. No, for Paul, his goal was much, much harder. Look at, look at the goal. To present everyone mature in Christ. 
mature, which means complete and perfect. And every parent knows, and I'm beginning to know this too, that maturity takes time. Like, right? Maturity doesn't happen overnight. You can't just have one, one uh, evangelical event each year and say, okay, no, nope, we've done our job. We've done our ministry. No. If you want to see people mature, that's going to take years. That could take decades. That's going to be messy with ups and downs and testing and trials to see people transformed into, into the likeness of Jesus. In fact, if, you, if this is your goal, if your goal is to see people perfect in maturity in Christ, you won't even live to see the fulfillment of the goal, right? When are people perfect in Christ? When? When they die when, when, or when Jesus returns. So do you see that Paul, even with, on his deathbed, had not completed his work? Do you see that? That's why ministry is not easy. It's not easy. Can I, just, I just want to pause because I realize in the last year, many of you and many of you watching from home have, have served in ministry and it's not easy. What you have done, I just want to say thank God for your faithfulness. And can I just encourage you for a moment because sometimes when we do ministry, we get discouraged because we look at the numbers. Okay, okay youth group last week, okay, only so many people came and oh, I hosted this ministry event and you know, not, 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 not all, all the people I expected, no one, people didn't come, and we get discouraged by these numbers, but can I ask you something? Um, if your goal is to see people mature in Christ, then instead of asking how many people came to your ministry, can we start asking, did the few people who came, did they mature because of coming? Did they grow in their maturity? Are they more like Christ today than they were yesterday? Because that's how Paul saw the goal of his ministry. Okay, so, brings us to our last point. Ministry is not easy, right? And after me saying all of this, I'm sure this is not the, this is not the, the ideal way to sales pitch ministry, right? <laughs> Don't ask me to sell, because um, you're probably thinking to yourself, I can't do this. Right? Like, who can do this? Come on, right? We're going to burn out. We're going to burn out if we try to do all this. Which brings us to the last point, which is this. Ministry is not easy, but God provides the strength. God provides the strength. And I want to show you this from the last verse, the very last verse of Paul in our passage today. Paul says, verse 29, he says, for this I toil, you remember that, right? For this I struggle. And he says, struggling, look at this carefully. If, if, if you read fast, you'll miss it. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Did you catch that? Right? It's not a typo. It's, not a, it's, it's the Holy Scriptures. It's not a typo. He didn't say all of my energy, Paul's energy. He said all of his, Christ's energy. Because you're right, church. If we were to do ministry in our own strength, none of us could do it. Look at you. You're getting weaker and weaker by the day. Right? You're aging, every one of you. Me too. Uh, yeah, me too, but you too, right? 
And so our energy is limited. If it was up to us, we would never be able to do this, to serve God. But Christ, what about him? His energy is limitless. His energy is unending. And it is his strength, his power, that he, he gives us to do the work of ministry. His strength. Isn't that encouraging? After all of this pandemic and the fatigue, and the, isn't that encouraging? But it's not your strength, it's his strength. So as we regather, and I'm, I'm, as I close, um, how are we going to overcome our weariness? I know you're weary. I'm weary. We're all weary. We're just coming out of a lockdown. We just want to get out of our homes and we want to be outside and be with people again and get back to some kind of new normal. We miss church. We miss worshiping. Today was beautiful. Worshiping together, singing together. We're going to pray with each other. This is what church is meant to be. But, but still there's a weariness in us, right? How are we going to overcome that? How are we going to overcome the temptation to be lazy and to just say, you know, I can't do the work. On top of everything else I'm doing in my life, I can't do ministry on top of this. We're going to do it by God's strength. That's what Paul says. He didn't do it by his strength. He did it by God's strength. So as we close, here comes that slide that I promised. Um, Andy, if you can bring it up, there it is. I don't know about formatting. I don't know about design. If you guys have ideas, just, you know, let me know, but this is what I could do. Uh, <laughs> six things we need to know about ministry. Here they are, just as a, as a summary. Ministry is a joy. Sure, take a picture of it, whatever you need, screenshot. Whatever. So ministry is a joy, okay? That's how we started. Um, it's a joy that we have to be able to serve God and His church. It will bring suffering. Ministry will bring suffering. Count on it, because we're destined for that. But still, remember that ministry has been entrusted to you by God. It's not something you came up with. God gave it to you. He entrusts, like a steward, he's entrusting it to you to be faithful. He's the one who works through everything we do. Every ministry in this church, it's God who works, not us. And though it will not be easy, it's going to require energy, yet we need to remember that Christ himself provides the strength we need. He provides the strength we need. As the worship team comes, um, I just want to give one final word to those who are, um, who are not involved in ministry. That's why I asked the worship team to come up. I know they're serving in, in many ways, and we're so grateful for their faithfulness, for our tech team and, and video, and I know they're serving, but maybe you're listening to me, and you're looking at your life and you say, I have, I have so many God-given responsibilities right now during the season. It's, it's, it's not, I can't do it. And that's good. If that, that's the case, that's good. I'm not here to guilt trip anyone. But maybe as you heard me this morning, you're realizing that, but God has given me gifts. He has. And I'm not using them. I'm really not using them. I've been more of a spectator. I'm on the sidelines. I, I'm, not, I'm not so much a servant or a steward. I, I'm a spectator. And if that's you, I pray that this example from Paul will awaken you, will awaken me and you, inspire us to work in ministry, in the ministry of the church. So reach out to a pastor. Here's the application. Reach out to our pastor. Reach out to an elder. There is so many different ministry needs, church, especially as we begin to regather. Um, Reach out because there is a God-given ministry for every single believer in this church. Every believer. 
It may not be up here. It may not be down there. It may be picking up the phone, call. But there is a God-given, with your gifts, your abilities, there is a ministry for each one of us that God has called us to, to be faithful. So let us respond. Let's pray as we, and then we'll, we'll sing. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you, Lord, for the example of the Apostle Paul, the way that he served you so faithfully and um, set an example to each one of us, Lord, as we look at um, our lives coming out of this lockdown. Uh, we, are, we are fortunate. We know we're not a, unaware that across the world there are people who are still in the, in the throes of this pandemic, in the midst of, in the heights of, of waves and with death all around them. With, and so we are, we are blessed. Um, it's your grace, Lord. It's your mercy that we are even able to meet like this. Thank you. And so I pray that um, each one of us, Lord, even though we are weary, you are strong. You are strong. Knowing that you will give us the strength, help us to step out, to be faithful, faithful stewards, faithful servants, faithful ministers of the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.